Ladies and gents, uh, welcome back to Engineers. Today, uh, live from Graken Studios, we've got uh, Tomas, who's uh, CEO of, sorry, COO of uh, Graken Labs. He's going to talk to us a little bit about what a knowledge community looks like or a knowledge database looks like. We're going to talk a little bit about robotics, drug discovery, and some really other interesting parts. So, Tomas, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me, and, and thank you for doing this, Elliot. This is, this is really great. It's an absolute pleasure. So, like I said, we are live from the studios. There is some social distancing and some masks going on in the background. So, what are the chaps doing behind you? And, and what's all this stuff behind you as well? Yeah, so the... So first, what well, the chaps are doing there, so they're named uh, Joshua on the right and uh, to his left is, uh, is Ganesh. So they're designing the algorithm. Well, actually, they've already designed it. They're just making sure that it works properly to make sure that the reasoner, which is effectively part of a very important part of our product, works in a, in a, in a scalable way. So that if you've, if you've got a CPU, there's multiple threads in that CPU. So will that computation go into multiple threads so you can do effectively concurrent computation? Or, or will it just go into one of those threads? Up until now, it just uses one thread. Now, I, I, I'm sure you can understand that if you use more threads, it speeds up the performance. Doing that is very hard. There's a lot of maths involved, and that's literally what they're uh, doing right now. And they've, they've had a killer week. They, uh, they've been so happy because it, it, what they designed worked. And uh, two days ago, they came downstairs, and they were smiling and, and um, celebrating. So they're, they're, they're doing amazing work. I love that. Okay, and and what what's that algorithm actually building towards? Is there a, a particular facet of the community that you're building or products that you're building for? So the so the way Graken part part of a, a key core part of Graken is the fact that it does automated reasoning. So okay. is so the language allows you to represent uh, rules rules of the world. So a rule may be something like if, 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 um, if X is located in Y, then Y, and if Y is located in Z, then Y should also be located in Z. Okay. So that may be a rule. Another rule may be that the sister of my father is my aunt, right? That's another rule. So yep. if you have, so if you give the systems two conditions, let's say Bob is my father and Bob, my father has a sister, Susan, you can now also infer another fact. And that another fact is that Susan is my aunt. That's okay. deduction. That's just the type of intelligence. And that's effectively done by the system in, in Grack. Now, the examples I gave were, of course, very simple examples. Now, but if you take that at a much larger scale, it becomes really hard to, to, to do. So okay. that's effectively what, what the, the reasoner in Grack does. So if you can imagine if you have dozens of these rules that are computing over billions of data sets, yeah. there's a lot of performance consideration in making sure that that happens quick and fast. I, I'm, I'm going to simplify that for my brain and go rules at scale. I think, I think that works there for me, rules at go. scale and for everyone listening. Um, yes. Okay. Uh, we'll, we can go back to Graken and what's the mission in the next couple of moments. What's been happening over the last couple of months? I think yeah. they're quite cool and important things to touch on. 
that we've yeah. spoken about offline. So tell the audience, yeah. captivate us. Yeah. Well, first, I, I should start by saying that we've, you know, we, we are extremely lucky, extremely privileged to be in a, to be in a space in the, in the economy that is fairly, you know, I, I can say fairly well insulated from the, from the, well, the, the catastrophes that, that is befalling on too many other people. There's a lot of hardship out there. So I'm very aware of, of the fact that we are in the right place at the right time. Um, so, you know, things are going well with us is, is the bottom line. And we have also been very lucky because at the beginning of this year, we had our first, our first user conference. Now, I, I can't begin to describe how thrilling that is to, you know, to, to, to build a technology from the ground up, build a community around there. We, you know, we always meet our community during our events over the course of the past couple of years, but then to have our first conference, to see 300 people in the same room, 30, 40 speakers presenting what they're doing with Kraken, honestly, is exhilarating and it's a, it's a privilege to be able to, to be part of that. Now, the reason I mentioned that is because that conference happened just weeks before the lockdown was okay. announced. And, and that really, really helped us this year because after that conference, there's relations that get created. There's, there's you know, personal relationships that get created. Um, and that really helped us to catalyze some of the growth that we saw this year. Now, the lockdown did have an impact on our productivity when okay. we did go remote. We did have a situation where, you know, if we have the type of work that we do, and, and you know, you can see behind me, Ganesh and yeah. Joshua discussing th that, that you can't, you can't replicate that remotely, especially the type of engineering that we have to do. So we did have a hit on productivity during the lockdown and that affected us. And so we were back in the office by June, July, making sure that everyone is, can avoid public transport. Um, people that live far, we would pay for their Ubers, trying to make sure that we keep you know, a social bubble in the office as much as we can. Um, and, and so it's crucial for us really as a startup that we deliver on our goals because, well, we are a startup and, and it's quite yeah. brutal out there for some, some other one. So, um, yeah. but nonetheless, on, on the whole, it's been a, it's been a good year. I think we're going into 2021 with big spirits. Mainly we're releasing our uh, 2.0 version uh, at the beginning of December. And um, we're actually gearing up to, for our next conference, virtually, of course, not in person, uh, yeah. at the beginning of next year. I love that. I love that. And you're spot on. You can't replicate, or it's very tough to replicate, what's going on behind you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a lot of startups that I'm speaking to, they're trying to do the same thing as what you've mm. done. Okay, there's, uh, I don't think, obviously, with the protection of everyone, there's no shame in doing that. Okay, uh, so good on you guys. That, you. that conference, 300 people together in one room, we're going to talk about an open source community, okay, and, and what you're building over the next coming 30, 40 minutes or so. Um, but talk to us about maybe these 300 people how they've come to know about Graken and how involved these people are and what they actually contribute, because I'm keen to understand how sure. people can start to leverage Graken and maybe how these 300 people get involved. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go back all the way to the beginning, really, because, you know, at the end of 2016, we started the company in 2015 to release the first open source version of the product at the end of 2020, 2016. Okay. Now, 
and, and I say that because it's at the time we were and we still are doing something completely different to everyone else in our space. Every every other adjacent technology is is a Kraken is a new language, is a new way of thinking about data. Um, ultimately, making developers more productive to solve some of the most complex problems in the world. And and so since 2000, at the end of 2016, we saw people start to use the technology, start to build certain types of software. And and all this while, until now, uh, especially until the conference, we've done a lot of community building. So we do community building both online as offline. So online, we have our forums. We have, we've used Slack for a long time at the beginning of this year. However, we moved to Discord. And, but also a lot offline. So, you know, over the past three, four years, uh, mainly three years, we've tried to build a community in, you know, around 20 different cities. So we've seen about close to 10,000 members across those cities from, from West Coast, East Coast, Boston, New York, London, of course, Paris, Berlin, Vienna, Zurich, India. And, and so a lot of that community building are real relationships that, that we build with people. And these are these may be developers that are just interested to learn about cool technology, nothing to do with sales really, um, and and that ena- has enabled us to to and that's what we want to to instigate a feeling with people that are part of the community. We we want people that as they join and as they are part of the community to feel that they're part of something bigger than just this one particular thing that they're doing, whether it's that event or whether it's that software that they're building. We want some people really to feel something, that they're part of something bigger. And so we try to do that with any interaction that we that people have with, with us, with our technology, because that's the way our we build the product. That's the way that that's what defines our engineering spirit. Yeah. And and so the conference was really a way for us to bring everyone together. Because up until that point, you know, I don't know the exact number, but we've done fifty to one hundred events all over the world. And you know, certainly I knew a lot of people but those people have never met each other. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's exhilarating to see everyone together in the same room, people that you've known, some people that you've known for two years and suddenly talking to each other about what they've done with Kraken. Yeah. That, that of course helps our adoption as a technology, but also, you know, on a personal, on a personal note, this is what we decided to devote our lives to this for us. This is much more than just work. This is something that we believe in. It's it's really exhilarating to to see that, and um, and it's a, it's, a, it's amazing to be able to to lead a life where you can really have have an impact um, at at that scale, and and the conference was really a, the vis- the physical manifestation of that because a lot of what we do is virtual, so we don't actually see the people that we interact with, and also, you know, a lot of our engineers they don't really get to meet the community in person; they yeah. speak to them virtually. So to have, you know, our team. That normally sits in the office and, and you know builds the technology day in day out year after year, they now get to actually see with their own eyes really what their technology is is actually impacting and, and how impact. it's impacting people's lives, and and that's something you can't convey over over a blog post or over a video. When you meet people, it's it's you know that's a feeling that you can't take away. At the end of the day, as humans, we're we're you know we do things because we we feel things, we believe in things, yeah. and, and that's something that that we try to replicate as, as much as possible. I love that. What, what do you believe Graken can do? Or what's the goal? So if we think of, 
you know, why does computer science as a, as a field exist? And ultimately it is, is to create tools to push forward us as a, as a human race. And, and the, the focus really is on those tools because through a, a you know, it's, it's through a computer that we get to do something else. And, and Steve Jobs put it beautifully at the end of the 80s that a computer is really the, a bicycle for the mind. And when we, when we specifically focus in on programming languages, programming languages are, are tools for developers to build technology. Yeah. And the way that we go, the way in which we innovate in orders of magnitudes and really push forward us as a, as a species at the programming language level is really when we create abstraction layers. And an abstraction layer is effectively creating some sort of language that's at a higher level where, where, where certain operations are pushed down into the system. So you can now focus at a higher level and not worry about certain operations that are lower level. An example is if you take, if you take a language like Python, Python is a very, very high level language. Now, if you do a print statement in Python, you just have to write one line of code. Mm -hmm. The difference with something like assembly code, which is much lower level, if you do a print statement, you're writing about 50 lines of code. Okay. Now, it's not necessarily about counting the lines of code, but it is about counting, you know, what are all the operations that I need to tell the computer to do in order to get to where I want to go. Now, at the database level, the last time we created a real abstraction there was back in the 70s with relational technologies, yep. relational model, and then and afterwards a relational database. And since then, most of the innovation that we've seen as an industry has been, has been focused around scalability. So how do we build databases that can serve at the same time, can serve hundreds or thousands of users at the same time? And, and engineering-wise, that's, that's still a big problem to, to do, but the science has been solved. So yep. when, but when we look at the type of data that software today needs to use, there's an incredible amount of complexity in that data. And because of that, we, we require some some sort of abstraction layer that can deal with that complexity. Okay. And, and in a nutshell, that, that's, that's what Kraken does. And, and the result of that, and again, it's either we do it or someone else does it. The result of that is that we push forward as, as, a, as a species, whether it's to go to Mars, whether it's to you know, build the next dating app, but it's really about you know, how do we allow ourselves as a, as a, as a species to, to push ourselves forward by creating those tools that allow us to push those frontiers. And what impact can you give your users or why are your users using Graken? Not just because you're the only thing that's out there right now, but why would they use you? What can you do for them? So the Graken fundamentally, the way we think of it, so to, to, to take what I just said and, and kind of go a step further on the way how we do it is by building a knowledge base. And the, 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 the way we do it is, and, and do you mind, we, we've got a couple of guys playing ping pong. I think I should, I should let them know I'm recording. Yeah, uh, crack on. Guys, Info. guys, ready? <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm recording. <laughs> We're on a really important podcast. Get out the way. <laughs> yeah, it's um, 
it's um, usually it's fine, um, but uh, cool. it, it is really loud. I know from other um, meetings, so it's it's a bit unpleasant to to listen no. to it's gone back and forth. So that's apologies right. for that. Um, that's all right. <laughs> so what I was saying is that we we have situations. So we're, we're building a knowledge base, and so we call it a knowledge base because we're storing instead of database because we're storing knowledge instead of data. And here we define knowledge as as contextualized data. Okay. And we talk about contextualized data because we mean data that has been reasoned over. Okay. And this is really fundamental. And what that means is that if I store in my database, I gave this example just now, but I store my father is Bob. And I also store another fact that my father, Bob, has a sister, Susan. Right? Okay. Those are two facts. Let's ask a question now to, the, to that software. Who is my aunt? Now, a traditional database would not know the answer because you haven't told it yet explicitly that, well, Susan is your aunt. So there's still another step of logic that needs to happen before it can know that. Mm -hmm. In a nutshell, that, that's really what reasoning is about. Now, that example is fairly simple. That's just effectively a two-hop two that we're now abstracting to just one hop. But yeah. imagine having to have 10 hops or 100 hops or 1,000 hops. That's where the science, the field of automated reasoning is for. Now, the field itself has existed for many decades. In fact, automated reasoning as a subfield of symbolic artificial intelligence is, is, is as old as machine learning, if not older. Um, but a lot of the problems, in, especially when it comes to adoption of, of this type of intelligence, is that the, the tools and the languages, they, they, it's extremely complex to use. Okay. And so what, what we're building, we're trying to build a technology, and we think we have, that is extremely powerful, extremely expressive in having that type of intelligence, but also being, being insanely easy to use. So we put a lot of effort in making sure that the language is beautiful, making sure that the language is elegant, that it's maintainable, high in simplicity. The analogy that we like to take here is that if, if existing technologies are like a do-it-yourself computer from the 70s, Kraken is like a Macintosh. Okay. It's it's beautifully designed. It's one box. You can't change things in the middle. Like you you, know, you can't put your own your own custom CPU in there, which you could in a do-it-yourself computer. But you but 99% of the people don't need that. So it's a beautifully well-designed box, and my mother can use it. I'm not saying my mother can use Kraken, but she can use it. <laughs> the same analogy holds true for for Kraken. Nice. Okay. Um, so drug discovery. With AstraZeneca, yeah. Okay. Um, spot in robotics. Uh, are you able to tell us about some of the use cases where they were using Graken? Where they are using Graken right now? Yeah. So in, in in robotics, the use case is fascinating, and and uh, so that so TNO was the was was the the largest Dutch national research institute. So they've got a large robotics team that effectively does a lot of um, robotics work. And the robotics use case is a very interesting one because there's two tasks that Graken takes care of in a, in a robot. The first one is that of the uh, positional of or the representation of all the positional objects in a particular room. So let's say, you know, we're, we're, let's say the robot comes in right now. Now it's, it will have some sensors. It'll detect that there's a computer. It'll detect that there's a microphone. Uh -huh. But then the question arises, how do they relate to each other? 
So that's when that's where you create a positional knowledge graph where this computer is on top of the table. The table is on top of the floor. The, this, this beautiful microphone is on top of the table, but also slightly on top of the computer because one of its pins is kind of on the computer. Um, so then if you have all those facts, you can now also reason over them because you can say, is the floor under the computer? And so those questions are important is because if you have a task that the robot has to execute that says, hey, you know, navigate to this particular point, it needs to navigate through all these different questions that may not be a priori defined. Yep. And that's where the reasoning is important. And then there's another part of, of, the, of the robotics use case, which is the representation of the, the actual hardware of the software of, of, the, of, the, of the robot. So the robot will have different sensors. Okay. The different sensors will have statuses. There may be different types of weather. There may be battery that is at X percent. So if the robot gets a specific task, hey, navigate to this particular point, it needs to reason, it needs to check, okay, you know, given that the fact it's raining, given the fact that this sensor is not good in rain, given that I have only 40% left in my battery, am I able to execute the task? And the reason why this is important is because they need the robots to think independently. They need the robots to be able to be in a desert with no connection to the internet and make those decisions themselves. Okay, so th this might actually sound quite dim. Okay, um, but we've spoken about um, some of the logic and a robot not necessarily being able to make a decision if things aren't predefined. So you talk about mm -hmm. building something at an abstract layer. Do you look after everything that sits underneath and you're thinking about all the different outs that are potentially out there? Or is it, if you like, self-learning and it understands weather and it understands potentially movement and other things? Which, which one is it? Or have I just completely misunderstood some of that concept? No, no, it's it's the um, you're touching on on, a, on I guess a quite a so where the industries, especially when it comes to AI, is where everyone expects a machine to learn on itself and and that's it. But we 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 forget that a lot of our intelligence is actually not based on that. It's based on on. On our, on our on our predefined logic of the rule of the world. So let's say that if I tell you right now that my father, like I said, my father is is Bob and my father has a sister Susan. There's no training that you need to do to answer that question. You know, 100% yeah. sure that the answer is Susan. That type of intelligence, that's that's deductive reasoning. That's not a machine learning task. Yeah. Now. A machine learning task is where you learn and, and given some training data and given some then some sequence subsequent inputs, you can make a prediction what the conclusion should be, usually based on some probability. What do you lack there? Are you still there? Elliot? I think we have uh, lost Elliot. Thomas? I think I lost you there for a second. I, I lost you there. Saying, yeah, and I lost you. <laughs> oh, did you? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's. Where were we? 
Yeah, no, I was explaining about, about machine learning and, and, uh, and automated reasoning. So from an, going back in time, so the field of artificial intelligence um, has a lot of different subfields in them, and a lot of different tribes. So Pedro Domingos is a very well-respected professor in Washington, and he's got this great book called The Master Algorithm, and he argues about how all the tribes in AI need to come together to really build this master algorithm. Machine learning is, is, is only a subfield of them. Where we fit in is in this, what's called the symbolists, so symbolic AI. So there's no machine learning involved in there, but it's, it's, it's using symbols to first represent the world. That's one. That's where the knowledge representation comes in. And then doing and then reasoning over that, effectively allowing the computer to compute and make new inferences based on that. Now, that's a different type of intelligence than machine learning. And so the, the notion that machine learning can do everything is, is wrong. And that's why, because usually machine learning is very focused on one very specific task. So you may end up with 500 different machine learning agents that, that focus on these very narrow tasks that can perform them very well, but there's no context around them. So there's no competition between the two in the sense that you need to identify when you're building your software and you're building your architecture, you need to identify what are the tasks that my machine learning algorithm needs to do? Okay. And what are the tasks that my, that symbolic AI needs to take care of? And um, that's where we do a lot of education around. And, you know, example in, especially in life sciences is where there is cer certain information that is, is known by scientists that you, that you want to encode in Graken uh, in the system itself. And that's things like, if a protein, if a gene encodes for a protein, and if that protein is associated with a drug, then obviously that drug is also associated to a gene. There's no machine learning you need to do to know that intelligence. Okay. However, you can subsequently, after having represented it in Graken, do very interesting machine learning to predict potential disease drug links based on yep. all your data. So it's, an, it's, it's all about a division of, of responsibilities. Okay, I get that. And just touching on a couple of points in there um, from beginning of the conversation, you've mentioned that you're a knowledge base, you're a knowledge database, sorry, knowledge graph, knowledge base, and a database. Are you all three? Are they the same thing? Great, great question. So we consider Graken to be a knowledge base. First and foremost, and that, that would be the most computer scientific accurate term to describe Graken. Now, okay. you know, in all honesty, the knowledge, the term knowledge graph could also be used to describe Graken given the, the given the technology. The, um, the issue is that there is no clear, depending on this depends on who you ask, and, and people will disagree on what I'm saying now, but there's not the clear definition of what a knowledge graph is. And and lastly, Kraken is a database in the sense that it's, it, it stores our data. And so it's, it's useful to, to mention that Graken works as the database because um, it replaces the, what the database norm, what the database would otherwise do in whether it's an SQL database or any other uh, yeah. you know, Mongo type of database. In practice, a lot of our application code is now pushed down into Graken because of the reasoning aspect in particular. So it's slightly nuanced and I'm sorry, it's, it's slightly complex here, but that's the truth. Where do the challenges come in with being open source? Obviously, they're, they're at the heart of what you're doing, but how tough is that being open source with the complexity that you have? 
I don't think there's any tough. I don't think it's tough at all. Um, okay. If anything, it's 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 being having the courage, firstly, to open source your technology. I mean, for us, there's there's no other alternative. Even though we do have some other of our friends in the space that have chosen not to go open source, we believe generally that if you're if you're building a new technology that is that is going to be so fundamental to any software that is being built on top of you, companies that may build on top of your technology, and you're a data infrastructure company, open sourcing. Is, is the responsible thing to do because people need to see what you've built. They need to, you have to be transparent as to what does what works and what doesn't work so that okay. people can really look at your code and feel comfortable that the way you're developing is something that they can buy into. So for us being open source, it, it, it's, it's a natural thing to do. Plus the whole community building aspect of it is, is, is fundamentally the only way really you can you can evangelize a technology product so so from our point of view if, if we are serious about making an impact in the world yeah. there's no other option than going open source i'm afraid yeah no good and idea that's great that's great we love it yeah good okay it's nice to see that the community is so key they're, they're the nucleus as well of, of what you're building. What, what's it like to work at Graken apart from algorithms on a whiteboard, ping pong tables while people are trying to have really important podcasts? Um, what, what's it like to work at Graken? What, what technical challenges go on or spar between each other on a day-to-day basis? And what's that culture like? Five questions in there probably, but give us some of that yeah so and then this is this is also down to uh, you know what are the types of people that we're, that we're looking for if, if you're listening you know we're always looking for extraordinary people um the what's really one of the most important things that we want everyone in the company to have is to is to be purposeful in the decisions that we've made in life um and and so being purposeful in how we've led our life and how we want to leave our, lead our life is something that is also core to the way we as a company are, because we believe that there's, there's a place for us in the world. And so that's something that drives us on a day-to-day. And that's the type of person that we want to surround ourselves with. Then, of course, there's the, there's the, intellectual, the intellectual requirement that we, we need from everyone to be extremely, extremely ex- exceptional in, in, in what they do and what they've done. Um, and, and that in the way we then work with each other is to, well, we're extremely high on the, on, in, extremely high on the intellectual side to, to have an insane amount of intellectual humility to, to appreciate that we can never know what everything and that there will always be people, um, in our team that will know things that we don't. So and that comes down to an important, super important aspect in our recruitment process is coachability. So people need to be able to be coached. If they, if if we have, if we're unsure whether they can be coached, it won't be a good fit at Graken because we constantly give give feedback to one another, and we do that because we believe in making, in, in because we believe that's in the company's best interest, not in our best interest, but in the company's. So giving feedback, making sure that we all improve, receiving feedback, and being very open about that is is essential. Now that is much easier said than done. In practice, it's really, really hard. I was just about to say, how can you really index for that within a couple of hours? 
it, so it's um it, it, it never stops so it's it's you, yeah. you have to be like that and it, it all starts it, it does start at, at the top so the founders need to ex exemplify that behavior Elliot, are you still there are you still there yeah 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 i'm still here uh, yeah yeah i'm just checking your, my connection sorry um so being being extremely open and transparent is is a is a key aspect of that in, in especially communicating the thought thought processes so being open about you know if we have doubt of doubts about a particular individual then discussing that as, as a team or within sub teams understand and seeing if people are comfortable and and first making them realize that making them feel like they have both that they are both owners and have responsibility in making these decisions and making the environment that they want to work in purposeful and and being very true to themselves because that means tr being true to the company um but to go back to that coachability aspect that one is is is, is really hard to uh, to to hire on because during your recruitment process which is a very artificial way of where you're trying to mimic how working together would be and also trying to understand mm. their past and, and, and their skills. It's really, really hard to find, to, 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 to see whether people are coachable or not. If while we work together, we find out that that may not something be that we can actually, that, that wasn't the case. Then of course, the first step is to try to improve them because you know we want to coach them to be coachable and we want to make sure that they see the points that we're trying to make. But if that can't work, then then there's no place for them at Kraken. And so being also decisive in the in, in making decisions into sometimes it just doesn't work out, and and making a drawing a red line because that also then defines the culture. Culture is ultimately just stories that will be told um, in the company about actions that may have happened in the past instead of just values that are put in the in on the wall. There's two actually two great books that came out this year. One that came out um, just in September from Reed Hastings, the founder of CEO. His first book, which uh, together with an academic, this great book I recommend it to everyone. Uh, Netflix is is really ex, ex, really very fascinating culture they have in giving their staff extreme extreme amounts of freedom, but while saying that adequate performance leads to a very generous severance package, saying that if you're not excellent you get fired with a generous severance package, um, and and also um, Ben Horowitz had a great book on culture and uh, I think he brought it out in July in June. Yeah. But um, yeah, th this is a very important topic. And ultimately, the culture is defined by, especially in a startup, by the personality of the founders. Yeah. The personality of the founders is, is what drives the culture. You know, whatever anyone may say, that's what will be the culture for a long, a long, long time. And we saw that with Uber. Travis was, was you know, his hustler persona personified the culture at Uber, which worked very well to get the word they got to. But then that led to some unintended problems, and I'm sure Travis didn't didn't mean mean that. But if you build a company that big, the culture almost lead its own life, and um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a big big topic. Yeah, the, there's a couple of things that I want to ask you in there, uh, but throwing this out there, yeah, Reed Hastings interestingly said he's going to get everyone back in the office as soon as he can, right? Did you see that on LinkedIn? No, I didn't see that. No. Okay. That. Uh, I'm pretty sure he did. Also, what's it like or what have you learned being a startup founder? What's the one thing you learned about yourself? Um, so, the, the one, so, well, <laughs> big question there, but the, um, 
the it's really hard and i wouldn't recommend it to anyone so especially you know if, if you're if you want you know if you want to make money there's other ways to do that um there's a lot more certainty you'll make a lot more money with a lot less hard work than doing a startup so i and especially this entrepreneurs have a certain status in society these days that i i, I very much um object against i think there's a lot of you know, we see the good sides of it, but we don't actually see what's going behind the scenes. There's a lot of mental struggles that, that founders go through that is underreported. And, and it's it's a real struggle because ultimately the only real founders are those people that, that have no other option but, but to be a founder because it does require an insane amount of obsessiveness as if, if you want to, especially if you want to reach the, the top and, um, and want to have a high growth company. And even, even if you're just a 20 person company, there, there's... Being a founder still, and 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 that's the, and that's the limit of your ambition, especially at a young age. That that one shouldn't underestimate the mental struggles that you will get, because you because there's just so much, so many unknowns, and 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 being insanely humble about about that, and having a partner that you can talk these things through. Uh, we've gone through very tough times at Graken. Um, we've, we've, we had a downsiding at, at, at one point, uh, three years ago, um, that for me, that, that made me feel like 10 years older than, than I was. Um, and so there, there, there's an insane amount of, of, of humility that, and, and also just, just a barrier that just goes, goes away. You have to be completely honest to yourself, um, about, about things, about what you want and, 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 and also to your partner, to your co-founder, um, and also to your company as well. And, 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 and. Yeah, really, really know what what you want, and that's that's something really hard to say, and that that will change over time. But that honesty is something that you just that is very hard to find with 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 some people, especially those that come from the corporate world. Certainly, don't have that. Uh, this at least it's harder because they're you know the work life balance or, or distinction is much clearer. Whereas if you're doing something like being a founder, there's no such. It's just work. It's just life. You know. And you have to be obsessive about being wanting to make a difference in the, or about a specific problems. You just have to have an insane amount of obsessiveness and that's all you can think of. Um, and because he, and, and, and really feel that even if it fails, even if it fails, you will feel that you have lived a fulfilled life because you gave it all. And, and that, that is something that is, that is so important because otherwise when the rough, when it gets rough, most people will give up and, um, and, 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 and therefore, I believe that it's inevitable what you're doing. You just got to wait for it. It's something that um, it's hard to find in people. When we find it, it's, it's, it's exhilarating to be around, around such people, though. Yeah, uh, some people say the fear, fear of failure is uh, a good thing. Some people say it's a bad thing. Um, but some pe- for some people, like you say, it's the only option that they've got. And they will throw everything to it to try and make it work and that's the respect and like you're referring to someone else before that's the hustle you have travis i think it is that's what you have to respect i completely agree nice going back to um, what you touched on in regards to the interview it is an artificial setting it's really tough to replicate what a real life working environment will look like yeah. um we didn't touch on some of the technical challenges that probably give the audience um, some understanding of 
what a day-to-day -day could look like or the conversations. Obviously, uh, if they're watching the video, they can see uh, some of the drawings behind us. But you've touched on things around performance. You've touched on things around scalability. They're things that we've touched on in the podcast before. So what, what do you think engineers might have to deal with or might have to consider when we're talking about performance or scalability on day-to-day, week-by-week basis? Uh, you mean at Graken, what we're working on? Yeah, sorry, at Graken. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it all comes down to architecture. So, okay. you know, how do we architect and build the software determines most of the, 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 the way the product behaves. So, um, you know, at the beginning of this year, we had a certain type of architecture with Graken using something called Cassandra under the hood and Janus Grant, which are two open source technologies that we used. Um, that, that was the base kind of underlying technology on top of which Kraken was built. And we always knew that wasn't particularly performant, but it helped us get to where we were, uh, where, where we gotten to much faster. So now initially the plan was to take the Janus Graph code base and to optimize it. Unfortunately, we realized that the, there was the, that would have been too much work and actually building something from scratch made much more sense. So. That's what we did. We literally, we got rid of Janus Graph. We got rid of Cassandra. And instead what we've done, and this is, this again, this started really beginning of lockdown. We build our own um, hypergraph. We build our own storage engine instead of Janus Graph. And then uh, we replace Cassandra which, with a much lower level database called RocksDB, which uh, is open sourced earlier developed by Facebook. And so we have much more access on, on the performance to optimize Kraken, because Cassandra is a much higher level, much more complex uh, database. So, and that, uh, from a performance standpoint, we're now almost done building, uh, stitching everything together. So it's effectively, you know, with that base architecture, putting the existing Kraken, effectively putting that on top of the new one. That's what what a lot of the past couple of months have been have been all about. There's obviously much more than than just that, um, but that's where we're now racing towards the, the 2.0 release. Then there's another very important component is that we build a whole automated build um, test framework that we called Gravel. Um, Gravel is actually a whole other product that we build on the side, G-R-A-B-L.io. I thought and it's Gravel is in the game, but Gravel, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it stands for Graken's Builder. Okay, nice. Because it builds Graken. And... And what that allows us to do is, is, is automate a lot of the CI and the testing infrastructure that we have. So whereas before we use Circle CI, we've mm -hmm. now moved away from that and when we use our own system. Um, and, and that has also increased our productivity at Graken significantly. And so a lot of our philosophy in the way we build the company, not just the engineering, is that if we can automate a particular process by taking a step back and then building that, we will do that. Uh, a good analogy is that if you, you know, if, if you have two, um, two wood choppers, um, and they start cutting down a tree or two separate trees, one guy starts, the other guy waits six hours. After six hours, the second guy comes. The first wood chopper is already halfway through cutting his cu cutting his tree, but the other wood chopper takes it takes him thirty minutes to cut off the entire the entire tree. The moral of the story is that the woodchopper took six hours to sharpen his entire sword, making the sharpest sword that he ever had, and then getting to work. 
Um, and so that, that, that's, that, that defines a lot of our trying, the way we're trying to scale, scale the company. Okay. okay. Uh, I'm convinced that actually that, that board is just full of analogies by you over the last four years. And it's oh, not code. <laughs> There's three or four in this podcast. That's brilliant. Um, yeah, that's an interesting perspective. So I, I can imagine that's what culture is like at Gracken. Um, talk to us a little bit about maybe not some of the extreme use cases in uh, the robotics and AstraZeneca drug discovery. Um, maybe some of the use cases or other use cases that people are using Grack and Foreign, which ones are you most excited about that could come in 2021? Because you've got exciting plans. Yeah. Well, I'm, I have a personal... So firstly, I think all of them are interesting simply because yeah. they're using something that we built to make and work and we have a chance to make their lives better. Yeah. Some of the... Um, then I also have a particular interest in some of the life sciences um, applications of Kraken because I, I have a personal interest in, in, in biology. I've, I've never studied it, but I've, I've had a chance to read many books. Um, I, I've just finished two books on the immune system, which is fascinating. I read this biography on cancer, which is incredible. And right. it's, it's, it's a, so understanding, having that context to understand the efforts the war really that we have on certain types of diseases, being able to contribute that is, is, is really something extraordinary. And, and also understanding actually what's happening on their end, understanding that by allowing them to to find particular proteins that could be could be special targets for new molecules to bind against those proteins in order to stop a certain disease pathway and understanding how that molecular structure works is, is really, really exciting for me. And so, but these projects are long and so they take time so what i'm most excited about is 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 seeing real results there and and because a lot of development has happened unfortunately drug discovery is a very very slow process as we've seen with the yeah. old vaccine for covid um these things take take a very long time so that's what i'm really excited about you know i'd like to be able to tell the world that look we made we enabled it we enabled this particular group to accelerate their drug discovery from this much to you know have the time as without Kraken. We we've covered uh, a pretty unbelievable amount in in such an articulate way. Uh, are there any simplified key messages that you'd like to deliver to the audience um, so they can just understand you in just one really snappy simple way? Um, that people can take away from listening to this. By the way, uh, massively, massively interesting and lots of respect for what you guys are building and to your community. I, I'm really excited to see what happens in 2021. But sorry, as I was saying, back to those key messages, what would you like to give the people so they can understand just simplified Graken Labs are? So ultimately what we're all about is pushing the boundaries of science forward. Okay. The way we do that is right now is by building a knowledge base because we feel that that's where really we need to do some work. But by no means the, 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 the life that we've chosen to leave, live is limited to that. There's many other things that we want to do. This is a 20-year journey, maybe longer. 
Um, and of course, we're always looking for extraordinary people. If that's a journey that, that appeals to anyone, then, then, you know, get in touch. We're always looking for, as I said, extraordinary uh, individuals. I should also add as, a, as, a, as another point to the recruitment side is that we do take invest a lot of time and effort for recruitment more than other companies. I know, especially at our, at our stage, um, which, which I think is really, really important to, to, to do that others may not appreciate as much. Okay. Thank you. Uh, I think if you're listening to this and you're looking for an environment that's quite clearly, evidently collaborative, two really impressive founders, Tomas and Heichel, both Cambridge educated, smart guys. Uh, they're looking to build something that's, that's like they say, really pushing the boundaries. So there's, there's lots of links below that you're going to see on these guys and girls. Check them out, websites, blogs, reach out to Tomas direct. Uh, if you think you're coachable and you want to solve some really interesting problems at scale, log into these guys. Tomas, it's been, a, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for coming on and joining us. Yeah. Thank you so much, Elliot, for doing this. And uh, keep, 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 keep the good work. Keep up the good work. It's a, I will do. On, on this. Thanks a lot. Thank Thanks, you. Thomas. Bye Thank for now. You. Bye, everyone. Hey, guys. Thanks for watching this episode. Uh, massively appreciate you listening and checking in with us. If you want to find out more about us and what we're doing, please check us out on social media. What we're trying to do at Engineers is build a community to drive knowledge, sharing, and experiences. On Twitter, we can be found at engineers.io. It's no underscore. We've also got a website, which is engineers.io. These links will all be posted in the description. Any feedback and comments are massively appreciated. We're always looking to improve on where we can. Thanks, guys.